Declare our praise. Declare our praise every day. Do you, do you declare your praise this week? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Do you remember to declare your praise other than in this building? Let's declare our praise. Jesus asks us to follow me today. And what does it mean to do that day in, day out? Morning, afternoon, evening. Declare your praise, O God. I have an assistant in the sermon this morning. His name is John Bell, and we will be listening to a song of his called The Summons. In the song, John reflects on this invitation, follow me, and then asks of the believer these questions, will you, will you, with all that it means, will you follow Christ? And so John is a member associated with the community of Iona, which is on a little bitty, he says it, wee island, a wee island off the coast of Ireland. And it was settled a long time ago by monks. And the monks moved as the first Christian folk in this part of the world, and they made their home there, and then they went out by twos. They were told to go out by twos in a particular way into the community around them. And they were told to go by twos to befriend people. To befriend people. Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard about a lot of kinds of evangelism in the church. But no one ever told me to go out and befriend people. It was about getting people saved by hook or crook. You know, these monks in Iona to befriend people. And so we're going to talk about that kind of evangelism today. And we're going to wonder with John Bell's questions, what this follow me means from Jesus? What is Jesus asking of us? Not just on Sundays, but all through the week, too. And you may have had some experiences with your own kind of evangelism, what you were trained to do in your life. We'll hear some about that later in the sermon, too. But in the scripture at this moment in time, Jesus is about to begin his public ministry on his own. Because you see, a couple of Sundays ago, we remember Jesus went down in the river and got baptized with John. I told you he was publicly making a statement of solidarity with John at that moment in time because everyone was gathered to see what the commotion was. And Jesus is right there in the water, dripping wet with John, declaring solidarity. So right after that, Jesus goes into the wilderness. The story, 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. And so Jesus then comes out of the wilderness to this passage we have today. Amman, what do you think about that? Difficulty from difficulty. From baptism into the wilderness, comes back from the wilderness, and the first news he gets is the man that he stood in the river with is now in jail. I declare myself to be with you. Now you're in jail. Now, do you still want to make that declaration? Is that still the path you're going on? You know, and Jesus says, yes, that's still the path I'm going on, and starts to carry on that preaching of repentance, that preaching of God's kingdom come near. In order to do that, though, he says, I need to change my life. And so Jesus makes a physical move, a relocation. I don't know if you've ever done that in your life to try and change things up. But Jesus moves. His family had gone to Egypt, come back from Egypt, and settled in Nazareth. Now they're no longer in, they're still in Nazareth, but Jesus says to do this ministry, I'm going to have to leave what I know to be my daily life. I'm not going to be around the carpentry shop anymore. I need to leave. And so Jesus moves this, minute, this point in time to Capernaum on the seashore. So he moves to the sea, a port where people came in and out, much more bustling than Nazareth was. But he says, I have to leave what I've known. 
In order to create what's new, I have to make a change to create the change I seek in the world. So Jesus moves. You know, I don't know if you've been told this about moving, but the key thing is location, location. Very good. Y'all been told that before. So moving to Capernaum was a choice to a location where Jesus could be in ministry in the way he desired to be with new folks, new kinships, not necessarily based on blood, but new kinships based on how we were going to change and transform the world. So Jesus moves to those places. I don't know about you, but when you choose a location, you're choosing who you rub shoulders with, right? You're choosing whether you're apart from people or close to people. You choose a lot when you choose a location. So Jesus is choosing a busy place, you know, where there's all these fisher people instead of carpenters, you know, on the water. You know, but choosing where you locate. As a body of Christ, this church moved from Joanne Street to Decatur Street. It was an important move, you know. But that was still kind of in the hood, right? Then, as a body of Christ, this church moved to West 11th Street. Did y'all know how gay this place was then? <laughs> you know? You made a decision to move to a new place in order to spread light in a new way and to be a different kind of people. So location matters. So the scripture scholars make a big deal that Jesus shifted from Nazareth to Capernaum to try something new, to create a new family and that we are called to do the same. And in the text today, when Jesus says, follow me, it's even to where you may not know you're going yet. Will you follow me? Even where you do not know, we will go. As you hear this music and hear these tunes, as soon as you catch on, just join in the words. Let my life be grown in you and you and me. Follow me. Will we grow into one another? Will this relationship continue to grow? Go where we don't even know we need to be yet. Will you choose to follow in this way? Be open to making that commitment to the future. Will you do that? The reading we had in the bulletin this morning from Frank Richelieu, interesting, talked about plowing. And what does it mean? What do you need to do to plow? You got to look in front of you. Says if you look behind you, you're going to make a mess of everything. You need to look forward. And so when Jesus makes a call to follow me, and then later in scripture talks about what does it mean to plow and to look forward, don't look over sh your shoulder, Jesus says. Look to where you're being called to. Look in the direction that we're going. Look ahead. And we know the truth of that. If we look behind us, we can't move forward in the same way. And sometimes we just trip over ourselves and what we think we know is true instead of leaving that family of beliefs behind 
in order to engage this new thing that Jesus is inviting us into, this new calling, this new world in Christ, this kingdom that's coming close to us. Can we do that? You know, when they first came to this continent, they burned the boats. You remember those stories in history class? They burned the boats so you couldn't go back. How do you keep that kind of focus without having to burn the boats? I mean, sometimes we have trouble with commitment. You know, we want to have some options. I might want to get on that boat again. You know, I know some of you start in relationships, you're still looking around. Got to have some options there. This may or may not be the right one. You know, what does it mean to keep all our options open and be that kind of people in this world when what Jesus is asking is for a commitment where you keep it your whole life? Not until a better option shows up. Jesus says, this is the option, and it will take your whole life, your whole being, all of your energy. So go ahead and relocate. Let's form a new family. Let's start right here and right now. You know, come along. We can, we can do it. Yeah. It might take some work, but together we can do We can bring the kingdom right here and right now. Come and follow me. It's not the kind of follow me where Reverend Michael last week said, come and sit. Y'all remember that? (laughs) You know, it's to come and be a part. Come and do. This follow me is not, if if you have some free space on your calendar and if you're not too busy and if the wrong show is on tonight and all that other kind of stuff. Blah, blah, follow me. This is, will you proclaim my praise? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Will you follow me? Will you proclaim my praise? So you might be commitment shy, one foot in and one foot out. Somewhere in your life, Jesus invites you to put both feet in. And if you think you're going to fall, that's okay. Come along with me and fall. Just fall forward. You know, the Super Bowl's next Sunday. You know what those football players know to do if they're going to fall? towards the direction they're going fall forward it's okay if you fall it's okay if we make a mistake we can do it together follow me follow me we can do this and whenever you fall learn from it and get right back up and go again but this kind of commitment is that leaving something for something new can you really leave it Can you change your beliefs, your associations, your connections, how you know it's supposed to be done? To follow Christ into a new space. Will you leave yourself behind? about you but I do know some scary Christians (laughs) I don't think they know anything about this befriending process they might be like conquer and obey sort of stuff you know it's kind of harsh and that's not what Jesus is inviting 
the disciples into saying, follow me. Let's be a part of life together. But boy, we can be scary. If you've had one of those experiences in your life, I'm glad you were brave enough to walk in here today to know that this is a place where you can befriend God and one another. You know, But that commitment still of coming can be scary to us. And the scales have to keep falling from our eyes over and over again. Even if we've been coming every Sunday, we are still learning what it means to live in God and God live in us. And what is the next step that we're called to do in our personal life? What is the next step we're called to do in the church and other places? It can be scary. And I want to show you this clip from The Matrix. Y'all remember that movie? The choice is before you. You know, I think it's this scary for some people. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. took that red pill he took that red pill you know the scales are going to fall from his eyes I can offer you what's there I can't say you're going to like it but follow me this he took that red pill you know don't you wish there was some kind of red Jesus pill you know all the scales would just fall immediately we wouldn't have to work at all we wouldn't have to try and do some of this on our own imagine what it means to be in relationship with one another befriend each other form new relationships try and grow and learn and do all of that fun stuff just give me a pill Jesus let me wake up and have my eyes open and be able to see it you know I might even do it if you look that cool with that leather jacket and those sunglasses on you know, let's just, that's a nice invitation. He took that red pill. You know, but that's what Christ is asking us to. It's like burning those boats. No going back. You see and know in a different way. And man, we just want to take shortcuts. But Jesus is saying it's your whole life. Follow me. Be with me. Let me grow in you. And you grow in me. That's not taking a pill. Even if we want to try and make it easy for ourselves. What do we have to shift and change to be able to do that? What do we have to let go of what we know? I think it's wonderful that uh, Jesus moves to Capernaum and then he tries to teach fishermen how to fish. Don't you know they just said, look, there's that carpenter. He's going to try and tell us how to fish again. What does he know about fishing? I know about fishing. You know, a carpenter wants to tell us how to fish for people. What's he talking about? Y'all have been on the coast for a while. Some of you have gone fishing, right? You know what you're supposed to do. You know? I've gone fishing at Matagorda Bay where we were looking for crabs instead of fish. And we put crates in the water and we pulled the crates up. 
This is the age where my sister and I ran around in underwear on the piers. You know, you open up that box and the crabs go scattering and you're in your underwear just running as fast as you can so they don't get you. I know how to crate crabs. I know what I'm doing. You know, I've also gone in the Galveston Bay and looked for flounder. You ever done that? You get a big long stick with a nail on the end of it. And you're wandering around the water. You're young, so you're excited to be with the adults. You know, the water comes up to here on them, comes up to here on you. You're wandering around stabbing things. You might get a flounder, you might get a crab. If you're unlucky, you get a stingray. You know? So I know how to crate, I know how to gig them. You know, my grandfather even would take us out on his boat where he would cast the net out and pull shrimp in. You know, and so we would separate the shrimp, and my sister and I would take the heads off of them and throw them at each other. You know, it was exciting meal preparation in our family. <laughs> exciting meal preparation, you know, as you go through this. You know, so these are things I know. So these fishermen are saying, look, we're casting and mending our nets. We know what we're doing, Jesus. I don't think you know what you're doing. You know, let's follow along and see what might be true. You know, the church has done it, I think, just like my family sometimes. They've put people in boxes and crates and told them to stay there. You know, even if we try to scamper away as much as we can. Sometimes they've gigged them. You ever had that kind of evangelism before in your life? You know, I hope you're healing from it. You know, someone come along and just gig you and say, that's for Jesus. <laughs> you know? Maybe they even tried to take your head off. You know, I don't know. You know, all to save you, all to make you be okay with Jesus and to follow me. Not much befriending going on. Jesus is saying, come be a part of my life. Let's befriend these folks like those monks did in this song. Let's be a part about living in the world so that we may change the world. But if you know how to fish, somehow you have to unlearn that in order to experience the kind of fishing that Jesus is talking about for people so that you are in relationship with one another. Are we ready to stop taking scalps, putting notches in our belt? Are we ready to be about befriending with a message of love? Will we reach out? Proclaim your praise, O oh God. Admit, admit to what you mean in me and I and you. Admit it. Has it changed our life? Has it taken hold of us in a way, welcome back, Edwin, <laughs> take hold of us in a way that we are proclaiming your praise, O oh God? Can we admit to what it means all week long, morning, afternoon, and evening? You know, what is that community of follow me going to be like? It sounds like blind people who can see, lepers who are clean. What is that community? Are these the people we're going to rub shoulders with? Is this our new spiritual location? 
those that are on the journey and on the road to follow you as well, Jesus? What do they look like? You know, do I want to be seen with them? You know, we might ask those questions. The ones who are getting healed, what do they look like, oh Jesus? Follow you right here in this context? Will we do it? Will we be that kind of community? Someone gave me an insult compliment one time. I decided as a positive person to take it as a compliment. And they said, oh, Troy, I just see you up there on stage, and I know if you can make it, I can. <laughs> I know it. If you can make it, I can. You know? What? What a wonderful insult compliment. You know? Probably because he knew me. We had befriended one another. And in the process, he knew that God was working in my life. And if God could work in that life, God can work in his life too. Don't you know there's people right out there looking at you and there's need to say that same thing to you. You can make it. I can too. Have you been open to them about you? Have you proclaimed God's name right there with them around? In a way to befriend them? Not in a way to trap them? But have you shared that faith of yours, of what it means to you to find a place that gives you life and hope and joy and home and also challenges you to grow and to keep growing? You know, I, I think we should try an evangelism that's called embrace and release, not catch and release. But I think this befriending isn't about catching, isn't about counting heads. It's about befriending folks like those monks knew, about Jesus saying, come live with me. Uh, as a pastor in my study once, I got a phone call uh, from a woman who identified herself as Nancy. And she was hard to understand. Uh, she was speaking very, very slowly, painstakingly, every word out. And as pastors, I'm not familiar with getting hate calls from people. You know, when you work with queer folk, other people may not like it as much. So we've gotten those over the years. And it sounded like it was going to be one of those calls. And I said, oh, gosh, and it's only Monday. You know, got one of those calls, and Nancy called, and she, and she said, are you that church? And she said it really slowly. It took her a long time to get that out. Are you that church? Uh-oh. Yeah. yeah and, and then a little bit longer, slower. Are you that church that welcomes those people? Special effort on those people. And I kind of filled in some, said, well, yes, we are. And she said, well, I figured if you welcome those people, you might welcome me too. If you welcome them, you might welcome me. Nancy had been an executive at IBM, had a stroke, was in a wheelchair, couldn't work anymore. Her words would get tangled up. She knew what she wanted to say and was frustrated as all get out that she couldn't get the words out that she wanted. But if you welcome those people, you might welcome me as well. Are we willing to be that kind of church that doesn't hide our love, but opens it to the world?
love the you inside in that faith in that place will you follow jesus to reshape the world you that's what jesus has you they see you maybe it's okay for them to come too you you are the hands and feet the faces the stories the hearts of christ jesus says follow me be a part of my family befriend befriend one another befriend each other don't be afraid don't be afraid don't hide the you inside set that prisoner free even if that prisoner is you and you've got to let go of something in order to enter this kingdom fully to embrace and release all that i have for you jesus says follow me live with me be with me you are my people are you ready to say yes there's always a deeper place for you to go in that faith journey in your home and your life jesus calls you to go one step further god summons you in love Let a carpenter teach you how to fish. Will you answer yes to follow me? I invite you next week to put it into practice. Jesus isn't asking you to make some commitment to future salvation in this follow me. It's about contemporary action. He's asking the disciples right there in their daily life, some of them mending nets, some of them casting nets, to come on and follow me, to take an action right then and there. So today I ask you to be those people of God this week. Invite someone to come. Befriend another and invite them to come to worship next Sunday. That's what the text asks us to do, to be fishers of people, not to hook them, right? To befriend them and invite them to the place where you have found home. Next week, Reverend Mona West, one of the elders of our denomination, is going to be here to preach. We want you to come and hear our preach. I want you to bring a friend to come and hear our preach. And throughout February, we're going to have two other more guest preachers. We're going to have Dwayne Davis, who planned the Worship for General Conference last year with us to preach. And we're also going to have Reverend Elder Hector Gutierrez come and preach for us. It's a wonderful time to invite people. Not that Kristen and Michael and I aren't wonderful enough. But, <laughs> yes. It's a wonderful time for you to know that God has called you to be in that business, befriending others, help them find their way. In Christ's name, amen. amen.